Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nicole. Hey there. How was your week? Insane, but good. How's summer? Oh, she's so much fun. She was here today for the day and smiled and cooed and cried and smiled and cooed and cried. We had a good day. She's a squish and she's so much fun. And the best part about having a grandbaby is that like she could go home with her dad Mm -hmm. and I can like (laughs) have a glass of wine. (laughs) See ya. Mm -hmm. See you Thursday, honey. Oh, I love her though. Mm -hmm. So much fun. How about you? That's good. We are in the throes of remote learning. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. getting better. We did have to buy like a Wi-Fi booster. Yep. That's what and I hear a lot of people are doing. And it's, they're like not expensive, but yeah. it was worth the money, I would say, because mm-hmm. now the kids are not like fighting with each other as good. much. And so I think they're settling in and knock on wood, it'll continue to go smooth. Yep. So this week, we're talking to Dr. Justine Veloza. She's a physical therapist and a certified postnatal fitness specialist, and she specializes in prenatal and postpartum pelvic health. Nice. Which I know we all could use some knowledge on. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Especially even not just postpartum, but as we get older. Exactly. Yep. But the pregnancy on the pelvic health is sometimes you sneeze. (laughs) I pretty much stick my index finger up my urethra. (laughs) (laughs) Hold it in place. It's a cork. Yep. (laughs) And I would say even now, like when I'm in CrossFit and it's jump rope day, it's like, I got to go pee before I can jump rope. Yeah, I can't jump rope. If I know I'm going to jump rope, Mm -hmm. I will stop drinking any liquid like two hours before. Except for like sips if I'm desperate and I have to pee right before or mm-hmm. it's all over. And I have no control. I mean, right. there's no even pulling it back in. Right. Like there's no, it's gone. There yep. it is down on the floor. Yep. So I'm really excited to talk to her because I'm hoping she can give me some tips too. Yeah. You don't spend 10 years, but still. Yeah. the kid. Um, but first, before we do that, let's do our segment favorite of the week. Ah, you go first. So my favorite this <laughs> week is an app. Uh-huh. It's called Wobot, W-O-E-B-O-T. Have you heard of it? W-O-E-B-O-T? No. I actually heard about it on another podcast. Huh. And it's no way a replacement of like therapy or anything. But if you are someone who struggles with like stress and anxiety, it's kind of good to have the app to check in. Nice. Mostly it forces you to check in on yourself. Nice. So it's definitely a robot. And uh-huh. they don't in any way try to portray it as a real person. So it runs off programming and algorithms and things like that but you basically like if you're feeling stressed like like if hunter hunter is like having some issues with online learning and i was feeling a lot of anxiety about it so i just open it up and i just you know you type in like i'm feeling really anxious right now and they're like and the robot responds okay i see you're feeling anxious let's explore that and kind of takes you through steps Mm -hmm. and asking you questions to pick the right programming i guess yeah and identifies like, okay, mm-hmm. you're saying that remote learning will never work out. Um, do you think that's really true? Or do you think 
Yeah. And it's definitely based on um, cognitive behavioral therapy, Sure, which is, can be very effective. Totally. Yep. And then there are tools that you can log in and just, you don't even have to talk to the robot. You can just kind of go in and it, it teaches you things to rewire your thinking and change your perspective. So, mm. and again, it's not a replacement for therapy, but if sure. you're like in between therapy appointments or you're not quite where you need therapy, but you are feeling stressed, like we all are sure. in this pandemic world of ours right now, yeah. then it can be really useful. And I do like it. And he's kind of cute, the little robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So especially as yeah. new parents, if you're definitely feeling stressed right. and anxious, then I would definitely check out Wobot. Oh, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Will you do me a favor and remind me of that? Because <laughs> <Yeah>, I'm going <laughs> to check it out. So definitely, because I can also, I'm more of like a situational anxiety person. Like mm-hmm. I can be totally fine for even years at a time. But if I run into a hardship that overwhelms me, I can... It's like stuck in the mud, completely paralyzed, completely worst case scenario or, you know, anxiety. So to have something like that as a resource could be super helpful Mm -hmm. for those times, which are obviously increasing Mm -hmm. with the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And all of the effects, the ripple effect of Mm -hmm. how it's changed our daily living. Yeah. And I do believe it's available on Android and Mm -hmm. um, iPhones, which is good. I like that. Good. All right. What's your favorite of the week? So, <laughs> so I am not a huge television person, um, but I did start a few months ago and I stopped and I just started again watching um, Yellowstone, which Kevin Costner is the you know star of that show. Is and he really? Yeah. I love Kevin Costner. I know. Me too. He's such a nice human being. Like he I've is, never met him. Yeah. But he walked him. by me once. <laughs> Did he? Yes, he did. He did? But he just seems so down to earth yeah, I've and heard nice. Yeah, about him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm kind of wanting to attach to his show again. I was a huge Parenthood fan when Parenthood was on. I'm not even kidding when I tell you I have watched Parenthood, I think, five times through. Mm-hmm. I never get sick of it. I love it every single time. However, I needed like some, I mean, not that I watched it in a row, you know, mm-hmm. it would be like, you know, whatever a year in between or whatever, but I definitely love the scenery in Yellowstone and I'm a complete outdoor person. So for me, that's like refreshing to be able to watch that. And I love it. The horses and the characters are very interesting. Their stories are interesting. How and why people are the way they are um, intrigues me, but it's the scenery. And my cousins live in Montana and they said, this is just miles um, south mm. of them, like 10 miles south of them where it's been filmed. And I'm like, I want to go now yeah. <laughs> and see it. So <laughs> that's my favorite of the week. And Great. I'll tell you more about it when I know more, you know, mm-hmm. about the show, but right now it's the scenery for me. Right. How far into it have you gotten? Well, I had to kind of start over because I literally only watched like the first two seasons and I like just too much time elapsed and yeah. I don't have a, you know, I have met like, mm-hmm. I just have a hard time remembering certain things. So I just started all over again. I watched like two episodes. So good. What, get there. what genre would you put it in? A uh, family drama. Family drama. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. I'll so. have to check it out because you're not the only one who has said that to me. Yeah. Basically. Like I've had a couple people, um, yeah, either in my Facebook feed or in person like, mm-hmm. Oh, this show is awesome. You have to watch it, watch it. Yeah. Um, 
So that's good. And Kevin Costner, why I say no. And Montana is beautiful. When we went down to visit Yellowstone, mm. you know what the thing I noticed was everybody was so nice. Really? Everybody was so nice. And Isn't I was a little nice? worried, but yeah, like everyone was so, maybe not so much the other tourists, but <laughs> like <laughs> kind of going into yeah, Yellowstone made me hate humans a little bit because yeah. like how disrespectful people can be. But the people yeah. who are local to the area were just so stinking nice. Yeah. And like I left my debit card in one of the shops and she found me on Facebook and messaged oh me like gosh, you left your card here. Kidding. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. And everyone's so into the outdoors. Wow. And yeah. It's just the scenery. I struggle with living in New England where like fall for me means, oh my gosh, winter's coming, which means dark inside and cold. Mm -hmm. All three things I'm not a fan of. Um, so I need a lot of light and a lot of scenery and outdoors. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm like, maybe that'll get me through the winter watching it. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Trick my own brain. I don't care whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Hey everyone, I know that having a baby can be a little overwhelming and confusing. If you're looking for a place where you can get all your childbirth prenatal education needs, visit ShellyTaftIBCLC.com. Nicole and I are offering right now an online virtual childbirth educating education class, a prenatal breastfeeding class, and we're soon launching a prenatal newborn care class and a prenatal sleep education course. So you can learn all about infant sleep, even before the baby comes. So I'm going to drop that link in the notes and you can check it out and we hope to see you there. Okay, time for the next segment, mm -hmm. our Q&A from listeners. Mm -hmm. And this week we got a question from Sarah in New York and she is asking, I'm going back to work soon yeah. and I'm wondering how much milk I should leave right. for the baby. My right. baby is exclusively breastfed. Right. So baby is 12 weeks, it sounds like, and she's going back to work. Go ahead. I'll let you answer this. So most babies who are breastfed will only take about three to four ounces at the most in mm -hmm. a bottle. It's very rare that a baby will take more than five ounces, which is different than formula. Sometimes babies who are formula fed will take more. So when you see those eight ounce bottles in the stores, so it's more for formula fed babies than breastfed babies. Yep. As breastfed babies get older, they tend to take the same amount of milk and just use it more efficiently. Right. So you can calculate as if my baby, you know, it depends really on how many hours you're gone. Right. And that counts the moment you drop the baby off to the moment you pick the baby up. Right. So you can calculate roughly three to four ounces every three hours is what your baby's going yeah. to need. Or have you heard one ounce for every hour that you're away? Ah, I have not. I yeah. like that. That's another way I've been calculating yeah. for clients and nice. it works out pretty well. So it's like an easy nice. way to Yeah, I like that. That makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense for people. Mm -hmm. Easy to remember. Yeah. So great questions, Zara. Thanks for asking. And that's it for our live, our mm -hmm. Q&A this week. Yep. So next up, we are going to be talking to Dr. Justine Veloza. Excellent. Looking forward to hearing from her. So we are so happy to introduce Dr. Justine Veloza. She has her doctorate, is it doctorate in yes. physical therapy? Physical therapy. Mm -hmm. yep. And she is a postpartum pelvic health specialist. Is that right, Justine? Postnatal fitness specialist. Okay, thank you. Okay. But yeah. She's here to talk to us about pelvic health. So 
Um, why don't you talk a little bit, Justine, about you and how you chose the path that you chose and what your passion is with your career? Sure. So I've been a physical therapist for just over 10 years now, which is crazy that it's been that long. And about two years ago when I got pregnant, I just came into the whole world of, you know, prenatal pregnancy, you know, and just learning about how the body changes and everything that my body went through during the pregnancy delivery and then in the postpartum phase. And it just really made me appreciate how amazing our bodies are, but how much work they go through at the same time. So it sort of became a passion at that point to really dive into the pelvic health area, but particularly with pregnant and postpartum moms to help them out and get the word out, you know, help others and spread the word. So I looked into the women's health section and started learning as much as I could and taking some courses. And here we are today. So my passion is just helping new moms, pregnant moms, soon to be moms, um, realize that what symptoms they might be having may be common, but are not normal. And there are lots of ways to get help for different things that they're experiencing. That's amazing. I love that. I love that you came from like a passion of helping others mm-hmm. from your own yeah. experiences. I think a lot of us in the um, childbirthing and postpartum profession kind of have the same similar yeah. backstory where we were doing something else. And then the way that we became parents changed how our passions and what we want to do. Yeah. Right. And I think that's so powerful too, for moms helping other moms, because you know, you can Sure, I can help someone who has had sciatica pain before, but I've never thankfully experienced it. So I've experienced carrying a baby and going through delivery and all the postpartum fun symptoms that many women deal with, you know, so it's something that I can say, okay, from experience, but also from my knowledge here too, that hopefully can help others. So what kind of like symptoms do you help parents with? Well, with pregnant moms, I see a lot of low back pain. SI joint pain, hip pain, pubic pain, all those kind of things. So it's a lot in that whole pelvic area, which makes sense because as you're going through pregnancy, your body is releasing the relaxin, the hormone, which makes your joints more loose. So it is very common for women to have those pains, plus they're carrying, you know, X amount of extra weight and all that stuff. So that's the most common things in pregnancy. And then in the postpartum period, it really varies anything from kind of rib pain and mid-back pain from different positions for breastfeeding and whatnot to neck pain. And then loads of, there can be incontinence, there can be the diastasis recti, (laughs) there can be- Yeah, Ruth brought those two things up. I'm like, let's see, sticking my pointer finger (laughs) up my urethra every time I pee, but whatever. (laughs) Right, right. You know, all those fun things like that. So everyone's symptoms are different. Painful sex is one of them that's quite common. And lingering pelvic pain post-delivery is also common for a lot of new moms, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember with my second, I really had the pubic symphysis pain. Mm -hmm. Um, It was so pain. It didn't really pop up until towards the end, thank goodness. But I remember towards the end, like I had such a hard time just getting out of bed, really. Right, right. 
when she was after the birth, there was definitely a huge relief from the pain, but it was kind of still there too. Yeah. And so those are the things that are important. You know, if we can get a handle on it during pregnancy, great. But then in the postpartum period, it's not something to be ignored, especially because a lot of moms are, you know, dealing with, especially if it's their first child, you know, all the the new things that you have with the baby. But then if you have multiple kids, then typically mom is not putting herself first, right? So those problems, they feel better, right? So we say, oh, you know, it'll go away in a little bit, or this is more important. And then we kind of, it becomes a lingering thing, right? Mm -hmm. Right. What advice would you give to like a pregnant parent who's experiencing some of these symptoms? The best thing would be obviously to see a physical therapist, because that is the best way that you would know kind of where the pain is coming from. Our bodies are often good at changing the location of the pain. So pain that you may feel in one area may not be exactly where the pain is coming from. So an assessment by a physical therapist will help you determine where the cause of the pain is. If something's out of whack, if something's out of alignment, and if you can change maybe how you're moving or whatnot, there are some good SI joint belts that can provide support to the pelvis, especially if you're standing or walking for a bit. Um, And those can be really beneficial just to give a little bit of compression almost to the pelvis. And sometimes that's good for helping either take pressure off one area or kind of give an area a little bit more stability that the body might need. Another thing I recommend to kind of depending on location and what everyone's situation is, but getting in a pool can be fabulous. Mm -hmm. So whether it's joining a local gym or, you know, some physical therapy clinics like where I work too, they have a pool. So, you know, once cleared by the doctor, oftentimes it's totally fine, but recommending that the pregnant mom gets in the pool because just being anti-gravity, you know, can take a ton of weight off and allow them to exercise and move with a lot more freedom and a lot less pain. So those are two big things. But I mean, obviously, an assessment by a physical therapist is the ideal. (laughs) It's probably the most essential part, really. Yeah, Yeah, because then they can create some an individualized exercise program or hands on type of treatment that the person could really benefit from versus saying, hey, try X, Y and Z, which may work, but you may get more benefit from seeing someone for an actual in person, you know, assessment and going through and watching how they move or this and that. And sometimes it's a, you know, an easy fix with a couple of suggestions. Hey, try this versus okay, Google, WebMD, what do you have for me? Right. Do you find that if you can start working with a parent during the pregnancy that the postpartum uh, recovery is a lot easier? Yes, it can be. So it sort of depends. I find that right now I either see a lot of people while they're pregnant and then they don't come back or I see a lot of people in the postpartum phase that never had PT during. So I think the continuity of care would be a lot more beneficial to the mom, but, and that's hopefully somewhere where we can push to have that as part of, I mean, how wonderful would it be if this was part of your labor and delivery package, right? You get like maybe one or two physical therapy sessions before you give birth. Hey, let's do some stuff, target any pains or issues you may have. Here's some birth prep ideas, and then let's definitely do some sessions postpartum So we can see how you're doing, you know, how are those pains from before and what can we do now that you're not carrying a baby or babies inside of you and, you know, your restrictions are a little bit easier. 
I completely agree. And I think there are so many things that it's the same way if we can get to them before the baby comes like yeah. breastfeeding, for example, like right. I mean, a lot of people take a breastfeeding class, but it's just nice to have like a private prenatal consult where you can have a breast exam done and have your full medical history, if anything, just to assess risk factors. Right, right. So I can see how ideally, even if everything seemed fine, like if you were able to get the chance to sit down with the parent and do like that medical history and find out, okay, you have some risk factors here for a variety of ailments that you can help with. I think that would make things easier, but we just do a horrible job in our country of <laughs> supporting yes. parents. And it true. is so true. And it's terrible, you know, and I was the one who asked my midwife at that six week post-op visit. And I said, Hey, I'm having these symptoms. Like I want to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Where can you send me? Who can I go see? And how soon can I get there? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't suggested to me. And yeah. I had a third degree tear. So life wasn't very fun afterwards. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. But it was just kind of like, oh, well, things are healing. So off you go. And it's like, Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> where can I, who can I see? Send me a physical right. therapist. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What about postpartum? What recommendations do you have? Like one of the questions that we got for you was that postpartum sex is still uncomfortable. Um, one of the moms submitted a question. She says it feels like, Sometimes it even feels like she's getting torn again. Yeah. So that's really common. There's lots of factors that could affect that, obviously. Um, Depending on the type of birth, whether it was a C-section or a vaginal, could give us some feedback as to kind of what the causes might be. So a couple right off the bat things, definitely trying some sort of lube would (laughs) be recommended. And coconut oil is actually a great natural choice. If people aren't into, you know, using a chemical based lube, it can break down condoms. So just an FYI, but um, you know, that is an option. Um, Making sure that you're hydrated because dehydration obviously dries out your tissues. Plus with all the hormonal changes, I mean, it could be a matter of are they breastfeeding or not. And all those things play a role, as I'm sure you know, you know, with all those hormones raging through the body still, that your lubrication system down there may not be what it was before. So that's a big factor. A lot of new moms tend to have constipation postpartum. And so if things are backed up in the intestines, then that can put some undue pressure, you know, when you're trying to have sex as well. So making sure you're doing appropriate things for your gut, gut healing, as I said, drinking the water, and then, you know, eating high fiber foods and that kind of stuff, but making sure that those patterns are moving in the right direction. Hmm. So for the painful sex, those are the big ones. You could also try like different positions, because some positions that were comfortable before may not be comfortable right now, but trying something new, maybe, you know, more enjoyable. But the biggest thing I would say is relaxation. So a lot of times those pelvic floor muscles, right, especially if it was a vaginal delivery, they are maybe tight, they are stretched, they are weak, they are overactive. So there's lots of factors with that that could play into it. And once the woman has had that first experience of, okay, we're trying to have sex and it's really painful. The brain is super smart and it's going to automatically go into this, okay, I'm going to protect you mode next time, you know, sex is starting to come into question because the brain's going to say this hurt last time. So we're going to tighten everything up and try to prevent pain. 
which then makes it more painful. So it's this vicious cycle, right? <laughs> so relaxation, maybe working on some breathing techniques, maybe going a little bit slower, doing more foreplay to kind of help the lubrication more so down there, plus adding some additional lube may be, you know, more beneficial. And it may just take some time. It may take some manual work from a physical therapist who's certified to work with pelvic floor muscles that they can help to either calm down those muscles, help stretch out the area and that kind of thing. And I love that you suggest the coconut oil because I suggest it for sore nipples all the time. So they put it on their tits and bits, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I actually never heard of that for sore nipples. Yeah, it does actually really well in studies. It's antifungal, antibacterial. Well, right. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Good to know. I will have yeah. to keep that in mind. Tell my mom that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And yeah. then you can put it on your skin and everything. Yeah, you can put right. it in your hair. Um, and in your smoothies. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love that you're bringing that up, though, because so many times I like read articles even or hear in mom's groups where someone will make a post where they're like sex is really uncomfortable it's been you know like three or four months and most of the responses I see is oh that's normal right it's just like with breastfeeding too like most moms are like oh well it hurts but isn't it supposed to isn't that normal and it's like no pain is not normal right right it's a sign that your body is giving you to say like something's Something's not right here that's right right Exactly. And that's such a good point. And that just goes back to how this, and I think a lot of it comes from our parents' generation where they are just, it was so largely unspoken, right? And it was just like, you have kids, multiple, and you deal with all these symptoms. And that just is what it is, right? It's the norm. So we need to change that paradigm. And yes, common, but not normal. Right, exactly. So can we talk a little bit about incontinence? I mean, you know, I t- Shelly and I were talking about it earlier and it's like, I said to her, you know, I can't like walk and sneeze unless I want to stick like my index finger up my, oh my God. <laughs> cork. <laughs> right. Oh, that's terrible. Jumping jacks, whatever. But you know, there's, I've heard some discrepancy with Kegels and I kind of wanted your input with that. I, Everybody always said, do Kegels, Kegels, Kegels. And then I read right. something like, yeah, that really helps. So what yeah. is your take on that? Yeah, there was definitely a huge push a while back. I remember I was, you know, before I was even thinking about being pregnant or anything, but it was like Kegels were just the thing. Like everyone was doing yeah. Kegels and it's definitely not the thing. So there's different <laughs> types of... <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, we need to address Kegels. <laughs> yes, oh, totally, totally. It's like the new orange is the new black kind of thing. Kegels were the big thing, right? Right. So there are different types of incontinence and certainly some of them may be indicated to do Kegels, but not all of them. And Kegels will likely make some problems worse if people keep doing it. That's what I said. You can't have this problem. Stop doing your kegels. (laughs) I actually did see like an article posted by a midwife friend of mine that said like stop doing kegels and start doing squats. Right, right. That's what I'm talking about. Interesting. Yeah. So what a lot of times happens is that the pelvic floor muscles are overactive. So they're on overdrive. And so you're just doing kegels which is continually shortening and contracting them over and over again. And what we find is that people don't get the relaxation part of the Kegel. So sure, sometimes they may be great to strengthen that muscle, 
but there needs to be an appropriate relaxation part. And a lot of people don't relax well enough. So kind of getting back to the incontinence part, there's a couple of different types, but if we're speaking like particularly of urinary incontinence, you can have a stress incontinence, which is kind of what you were describing, right? You're laughing, you're coughing, you're jumping, and that stress on your pelvic floor muscles causes you to leak. Or there's an urge incontinence, which is typically more of a, if you can think of it like in a habitual thing. So every time, you know, you come in the door, you have to run to the bathroom, or it's sort of like that. You get the urge and instantly it's like zero to a hundred. You have to go right then and there or else you're going to pee on the floor. So, or you could have mixed. You could have a little bit of stress and a little bit of urge. With the stress incontinence, which is the coughing, laughing, jumping, running, those more um, impact type of activities, we find that the pelvic floor muscles are often tight and weak. So the Kegels will do the entire reverse effect. Let's just be honest. Right, right. So in that sense, we often want to down train those muscles and really focus on the relaxation of them. Because like any muscle in your body, your pelvic floor muscles should be able to contract and relax and lengthen. So in that case, we're often, I don't want to say all the time, but more often than not, I think teaching people how to stop doing their Kegels and focus more on relaxing those muscles and retraining them when to contract and when to have like their normal resting tone and when to be nice and relaxed because they can't do their job, right? Their primary job is to keep our urine in. But when different demands are placed on them, like a cough or a jump, something like that, they aren't as effective to help transfer that load. And so they allow leakage. The other end of the equation is the urge incontinence, which is kind of that you have to go right away. And that is often due to an overactive bladder. So we find that, say, for example, you're in the habit of peeing every time before you leave the house. And, you know, before you get in the car, you're going to run to the bathroom and pee, all those just in case type of pees. So now you're getting your body out of its normal neural pathway where it would normally say, okay, I have a little urge to pee, but I don't really have to go yet. So we'll kind of like put it in the backseat, you know, and we'll keep doing what we're doing. And then that urge gets stronger and stronger until eventually like, all right, now I'm going to go. And then you run to the toilet or you walk to the toilet and you sit and pee. But the just in case peeing lends, lends into that habit where you're now going more often than you actually need to. So you're messing with that connection from your brain to your bladder sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we're like all guilty training. of it. It's just a training. You're training. Exactly. Training. Like Pavlov's dogs in a way. Right. Right. 100%. I know for me, because I was breastfeeding my son and then, you know, I would get up and pump or feed him during the night or whatever. And every time I would get up, I would pee. It was just a habit. Right. And whether I was drinking water or I just was like, oh, I'm up, I might as well go. And then, I mean, now he's almost two and a half. And if I get up during the night, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go pee, but I don't always have to go, but it's just kind of that habit. So it's even something that I'm consciously aware of. I'll lie there and be like, do I really have to go? Or do I just think that I have to go because I'm awake? You just blew my mind, Justine, because I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. that I created my own, like, because yeah. I, I go from house to house all day and well, yeah. I don't feel comfortable using clients' bathrooms. I never do it. So basically every time I leave a house on my way to the second house, I stop and pee. And now I feel like Every time I leave a house, I have to pee. Right. right. And right. you're getting your brain in. 
to right. emerging continence. This is kind of weird too, but I don't like going to the dentist. And when I get really nervous and anxious, it makes me have to pee. And even though I got over that fear, when I'm winning in the dentist waiting room, I get up to pee like three or four times. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? Right. right. Yeah, I don't have that so much as the like, I can't jump, sneeze, cough too yeah. much. I'm like walking or something like, hold on a minute, got to shove this thing out my urethra. So you, it's very likely that your pelvic floor muscles are overstimulated, they're overactive, and you need to work on some down training. And I yeah. can hold my pee to a fault where I sit down, I never leak, except in those cases. In those, yeah. When I sit down to pee, sometimes I have to like wait a couple minutes to actually get it out. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been a whole mm-hmm. life because too much action going on. I've got too much. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much to see. Yeah. Right. Well, yes. I mean, there's so many different problems. And as you can see, like everyone's case is quite unique, right? Right. So speaking with someone who can understand it is really your best bet for figuring out kind of what is going on and what's the best situation for you to help deal with it. This is one of those situations where offering like blanket advice to everyone can be harmful more than breastfeeding. So the suggestion would be to, if you can, when you're pregnant, like we always want people to do, you know, make sure you're going to see your provider. You know, Mm -hmm. we suggest maybe, you know, getting a massage or chiropractic or whatever, like maybe you should go see a physical therapist as well. Yeah. Your body's going through so many changes and that really actually is because I have advised people for years, like if people have issues with whatever pregnancy, you know, chiropractors who specialize in pregnancy or Mm -hmm. therapists who specialize in pregnancy. And I have to be honest, I have not added to that a physical Ah, therapist who- Well, now you will, right? Yeah, I totally, because (laughs) it's like, it just opens up a whole new, like, of course. Well, and as childbirth educators, we're always taught, you teach moms how to do Kegel. And for years, you know, we've been teaching. teaching moms how to do Kegels in classes. And then when we started to hear right. that it might be otherwise, we're like, oh. So yeah. what should we be saying? Hold so up. I guess I'm totally going to suggest everybody go see a physical therapist when they're pregnant. That would be amazing. And you know, for anyone who's listening in too, be your own advocate. Because yes. as you can see, not everyone is versed in this, how important it is to address your issues by a specialist, someone who can help you deal with them appropriately versus the blanket advice of, oh, just go do some Kegels 10 times a day, you know, and you'll be fine. For sure. That's right. Do you find that if the longer you wait to get help, the worse the issue gets or not always? I think it kind of depends on the person, to be honest, and what the situation is. I think for some cases, it just won't get better. It'll sort of be at this maintenance sort of steady plateau. And for some, it it may get worse. Plus, as you know, your child is getting bigger and older, you know, you're going to be putting different demands on your body. So that could affect things in different ways. So you might feel like you're kind of status quo, but then as the child reaches a different level, then you realize some other thing that might not have been noticed before type of thing. Sure. Yeah, I love the I was we were looking through your Instagram feed and we love the posture um infographic you yes. post how to hold your baby that doesn't put back pain or oh, 
Well, and I'm sure you see it all the time, right? For years, so I just she said posture, like holy shit, (laughs) shoulders back. Yeah, yeah. One postpartum mom that I treated, she had come to me and she was having this terrible like rib and back pain. And she was just breastfeeding her child. And she would tell me, you know, in the middle of the night, she'd wake up and I'm just always in this weird, awkward position, you know, every time I feed her just because it's more comfortable for me. And then I can just fall asleep or whatnot. But, um, you know, we worked with her for a few visits and just addressing her posture was huge, you know, and just going over different things of how to breastfeed and how to lie or how to get out of a posture when you've been in it for so long, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the posture is huge, but just kind of going back, I was going to say this before, how you guys are mentioning that as childbirth educators, you know, you were in the realm of like, Kegels, Kegels, Kegels. If you were going to give any advice to your patients, breathing, breathing, breathing. Do I like that? Traumatic breathing is where it is at. Yes. (laughs) Throw that in there. You can't go wrong teaching them how to breathe. (laughs) Very cool. That's awesome. And I know like, like I still, when I'm in my CrossFit class, and you and I talked about this. When yeah. We, um, like I have to pee before I do jump ropes. And we were talking about mm-hmm. how because um, all the women in my CrossFit class have the same issue. And my youngest yes. is 10 years old. Like it's been 10 years since I had a baby. And you're still. Mm-hmm. And I still yeah. 15, and 15 I, years. So. I feel like at some point, I feel like it gets better and then it gets worse and then it gets better. And then it, so I feel like I can only get better at a certain point. So, yeah. yeah. And so kind of going back to the breath thing, a lot of working with clients who are into exercising or, you know, doing activities like CrossFit is really important to watch how they're breathing, when they're breathing and how their body is positioned. Because sometimes little small tweaks, you know, we typically think of, you know, exhale on the most you know, exerting part of the movement, but for some moms, it might be inhale on that most exerting part, or it might be inhale and hold your breath kind of thing. So we really would work with everyone on an individual basis. So it's hard. Yeah. As you said, you can't give that blanket information because everybody is different, right? And everyone responds to that you're addressing it that way, because I totally agree with that. Like Mm -hmm. as someone who barely works out. <laughs> don't always do it the way, but I do what works for me. And people always want to correct it. I'm like, listen, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I just happen to like, screw you. I'm going to do what works for right. me. Right. And that's so cute. As long as you're doing it, you know, in a safe way, because maybe there's tweaks to what you're doing that could right. help, or maybe you have to do it that way. And that's how it is. But especially like as moms, like we know we can't always be perfect in our mechanics every single time. I mean, picking up your kids or this and that, but we train in different ways and work with the breath and work with the different postures and movements and we can make it happen. I love that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So what does it look like when a mom, when a parent typically comes to you, like, what does your care plan look like? I know it probably varies greatly on what, what's going on with them, but in general, how would you work with them? Um, Well, obviously, let's start with, you know, a very detailed history and assessment, basically, you know, just verbally going through and how the pregnancy was and any past medical history, all that good stuff. And then we would basically do a full body assessment. So kind of wherever the pain or dysfunction area is, we always look above and below it, looking at how they're moving, strength, flexibility, kind of the basic physical therapy 
um, evaluation, but looking at the body as a whole is really going to help figure out what are those important players that we need to address as well. Everyone's going to get their own individualized program. We'll probably talk lots about breathing, <laughs> make sure they're doing it the right way, talk about how to use their body mechanics and be safe with what they're doing. And then when appropriate, often try to do an internal exam. Obviously, as long as the patient is comfortable with it, you know, and after some discussion about what the benefits are and this and that, but the internal pelvic exam can really give us some good feedback, as I mentioned, about how well those pelvic floor muscles are working. We want them to be able to shorten and contract and lengthen and be able to also like push out and extend a little bit too, so that you're going through the whole full range of motion that's available like any other muscle in the body. We would want to make sure it can move and contract and relax. So that can be super beneficial. And then we create an individualized program for that person based on kind of what their pain, what their symptoms are, and what their goals are. Mm -hmm. So kind of that well-rounded approach. Mm -hmm. I love how you take like a holistic approach. Like you don't just target one area. You look at the entire body. Right. right. And it's so important. I'm taking a continuing education course right now with this awesome um, PT guru in the field, Julie Weeb. She told us of this case that she's treating a patient maybe now, maybe a while ago who for 20 years had complained of pain throughout her whole body, you know, shoulder pain, neck pain, jaw pain, back pain, the whole nine, and seen numerous health professionals and come to find out she actually had a pelvic organ prolapse that oh, was great. hanging out of her body for 20 oh, years. And shit. she didn't know, no one made the connection, but basically, right? She lost like the floor of her core canister, if you're thinking of it that way. So of yeah. course, not having that, yeah. Poor. Yeah. Disability. She had pain everywhere. So it's just like it shows how oh, you can't just look at the shoulder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah. It was a very powerful message, it you know? It makes me want to go to you. <laughs> <laughs> come you on down. Where are you, by the way? So I'm in um, southeastern Massachusetts, just outside of Providence, Rhode Island, actually. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But I don't have a physical location. So I do more concierge. So I'll come to you. Oh, <laughs> nice. I'm looking you up. I mean that. <laughs> Perfect. Let's help. talk. Yeah. yeah. And we'll definitely be connecting to have you come speak at my gym, too. Yes, yeah. that would be fabulous. Yeah. We definitely um, love that. This was amazing, Justine. I'm so glad that we were able to yeah. share your expertise and knowledge. And everybody go see Justine. Yeah. And, see in postpartum. and if you're having pain, don't let anyone dismiss it. Like, No. Reach out to someone. That's yeah. right. Can you tell us where people can find you and yes. find out more information about you? Yeah. So right now my website is still being worked on, but hopefully I'll be launching it soon. Great. Hopefully in October. But right now I'm on Instagram. So my handle is at fitmomspt. Awesome. At FitMomspt. And that will be my um, website also, www.fitmomspt.com. But I'll be posting updates and getting ready for the launch on my Instagram. So you can find me there for now. Awesome. And, you know, if anyone has questions, like reach out, send me a DM. And, you know, I'd be glad to chat with you and you are so yeah, good. this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm serious. Like you're going to come see me. So <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. And I love the work that you're doing. Just get this word out.
Yeah, yeah, we're excited and we're excited to, you know, work with people like you who can really help a number of people yeah. more than we can. So, yeah. <laughs> well, in our own ways, right? That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll exactly. join, yeah, join forces. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Justine. We'll see you later. Thanks. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaffIBCLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaffIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.